Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. I am your host, Kathy Hackle, and welcome to Tech Magic, the podcast where we talk about everything happening in technology from gaming to, you know, HMDs. Uh, to anything, maybe even amusement parks. <laughs> uh, so we are tackling uh, everything related to technology, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lee Keebler. Lee, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, yeah, traveling a lot this week. Um, made my way down to Los Angeles and evidently brought the Portland rain with me, so nothing's changed. Uh, just kind of a different setting. I've, I've actually just never seen this type of weather in L.A. <laughs> Well, I think everyone's under like a flood warning, right? It's like really bad over there. It's it's really something else. Uh, I've I'm I'm kind of beside myself as someone who used to live out here. Um, I went years without ever seeing rain, and wow. to just like show up and it just be days of it has been has been unreal. But speaking of technology, I did see something because of it. Um, for, for those listening in Los Angeles, this won't be a big deal, but I mean, I've only seen this in news stories. So to see it in person was pretty cool with all of the rain. That means the LA river, which is this man-made river that Mm. goes through the center of LA goes out to, uh, Playa del Rey out to the inlet to the ocean. And, um, when it floods like this, that means a lot of trash gets caught in that river and floods out to the ocean, which is obviously bad. Mm -hmm. And they've got, uh, basically this machine that looks like a floating water taxi at the end of this inlet with big nets. And it's just sucking in all of the garbage to recycle it, to make sure that only clean water is going out to the ocean. Um, And it was just something surreal to see is just kind of the neatest robot that's just sitting in the middle of the LA river going out to the ocean, just cleaning up all the garbage before it hits, uh, hits the ocean water. So uh, that was, that was kind of my first, like, ah, I like that. That's cool. I like that. Those are the type of robots I want to see more. <laughs> yeah, those those right? are good robots. <laughs> those are good robots. Yeah. Those are the good kind, not the Terminator kind. <laughs> no, that's that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, I I, I love to see how robot robotics is being used in AI with with that as well uh, when it comes to fighting climate change. I think that that's you know that's an obvious think, use yeah. case, right? That that we should all be supporting in some way or another. Yeah, so. it's going to be interesting to see where we start seeing robotics play more practical parts of our everyday lives as opposed to, you know, the the stuff that you happen to stumble across that are kind of like neat videos on LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever. You're like, wow, robots can do this. But like, yeah, but what can they really do? Like, what do we need them to do? That's the bigger question, which is the same question that you and I have been posing for 
artificial intelligence of like, yeah, this is cool, but can it do my taxes yet? Can it, you know, do the stuff that I don't want to do yet? That's, that's kind of where I think all of this comes to a head and, and the practicality gives it that value. Yeah. Uh, in my sink, I have this thing. I've, I've talked about it before. It says, Alexa, do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> right. When I'm doing the dishes, I'm like, I wish Alexa could do the dishes. But anyway, <laughs> that's the kind of robot I want to see at home. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. I think those are the great use type of use cases for uh, for robotics. And obviously, and you and I have had this conversation, but for me, robotics is part of like, the advances in robotics and computer vision and simulation are part of spatial computing, are part of navigating the it world has to be. with these, you know, with these, with these, with technology, engaging within a new ways. Yeah, it, it absolutely has to be. I mean, a, a robot, like a robotic arm is set within parameters, especially when it's like fine-tuned to an assembly line, which I think is what most people are used to seeing. But the second you start seeing delivery robots that are going through trying to like deliver goods or or even like safety equipment or just food for that matter i mean all of a sudden now spatial computing and Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence becomes a necessary compound to make that robot have awareness that it needs to complete its task um we've just come so far so quickly that it's it's kind of mind-blowing to see it happening in real time yeah um so for this episode and everyone listening uh we're definitely going to talk about you know head-mounted displays and everything that's happening in that space. Then we're going to go into AI because we always do, and there's so much to talk about in that area. And then we're going to finish with a topic we don't talk about too much, but is the future of amusement parks and entertainment. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that we're hearing about that you know we might that might be coming, that we find interesting, that are related to technology. So that'll kind of be our, our, our rundown for today for everyone listening. Um, I did want to share something, Lee, and you saw this. Um, I Last week on Thursday, I believe, I announced uh, the, well, not the launch, but the, you know, the pre-order of my fifth book. Can you believe that? Five yes. books? Yes. I, I, you know, as soon as I saw that, I was, I was thinking to myself, didn't I just buy the last one? Like, I just put this on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, I, I work at a really you fast pace. You pump those books out. You do. <laughs> I'm a machine. I'm a content monster. That's what I tell everyone. I'm a content monster. I'm like always producing. Um, yeah, always creating. And yeah, with this book, we actually, it's with Irina Cronin, who we, a lot of us know from the industry. She's been around for a long time. Amazing. I, I mean, I learned so oh, much yeah. from her. It was amazing. Like, I'm so, I'm so honored that she and I got together to do this. Um, learned a lot. But, but yeah, we worked, we worked so hard on this. I mean, and I was working full time, right? So it was like, yeah, working full time, trying to write this book in record time because we we're like, we need to hit, you know, publishing moves very slowly. That's what most people that have published books know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's gotta be. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it's coming May fourteenth. So, um, but you can pre-order it now, and we're already getting lots of really interesting, you know, uh, you know, interest from companies and everything. I think it's going to be a very right. useful business book. So I think. Are you going to drop the title? What's the title? Yeah, like, it's come on. Spatial Computing, an AI-Driven <laughs> Business Revolution. So um, it dives deep into the intersection, the convergence between AR, VR, XR, and AI, and also goes deeper into spatial computing, what it means. Um, and my whole premise is I think a lot of people are using spatial computing as a word to replace extended reality or even VR. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, no, it's, it's the future of computing. It's that what moves us from personal computing to mobile computing to now spatial computing, where the interface is the space around us, right? Um, so, so yeah, I, I have a broader perspective about what this is. I think 
if you are, if you only think it's one technology or one type of device or one term, you're being very yeah. reductive. Totally. Um, so as you were co-authoring this, uh, what was, what, what do you think is like the big surprise nugget for you without like giving away the butler did it right? Like yeah. <laughs> what, what was it that stood out to you? The biggest education that I personally got writing the book, because Irina is very much in the AI space, um, was how close, how important AI is to spatial computing. I knew that before, but I wasn't as close to it. But I feel like I really went down the rabbit hole with her and really wrapped my head around a lot of the parts that of AI that play into this. So that's why when I talk about the Apple Vision Pro, when I talk about any of these devices, um, I'm thinking like this is part of that AI revolution that everyone's obsessed about. So yeah. that's why we put that that title on in, in, as part of the book, because we want people to understand it's like this is bigger than just a headset and it's bigger than just one type of technology. This is a field of technology that's evolving. And that's the thing, right? It's got to go to work at some point and mm -hmm. be put to to a use case where it it makes productive sense. And right now, I, I st I'm starting to get that same feeling I had when trolling through LinkedIn or whatever, looking at like different like articles that are being written where it's a lot of either, oh my gosh, this is the newest technology and you have to pay attention to it, but no one explains why. Yeah. Um, or a mixture of this is the newest technology and it's going to take your job and you should just like go and hide in a hole and no one really explains why. Right. So there has to be that, that balance of, yeah, I mean, it is going to impact some people's jobs. I'm not here to say that that's not going to happen. Um, but having a better clarity and a better understanding of like where this technology combined has mm -hmm. its resourceful impact is so is such just such a necessary voice right now. I think it's be, I think it's gonna be useful to people. It's going to reframe the conversation on around spatial and AI, what AI's role is. And I think, you know, it's, it's got a lot of the why, why is this happening right now? What is, you know, yeah. what is the role of AI in spatial computing, but also what can you start to think about? How can you start to use you know, why do you need to start to think about what comes after mobile? Um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be here. It's not, you know, it's not going to move super fast. It will move fast. Um, but we're still, you know, we're still five, you know, five or 10 years from like full, full, like spatial computing era. Um, so, I don't know. or maybe sooner, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? Like, because we used to be able to calculate all of this based on Moore's law. And this is me turning mm -hmm. into like my, my old Intel days, yeah. right? But like Moore's law was 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 gospel and it's the math is slowly changing and things like this type of technology don't necessarily adhere to what we've known for the last you know 40 years from Moore's law we don't yeah. know what that that new what the new law is right we're kind of in this <laughs> techno lawless well, society like, the curve that we're on it's like like nothing i don't think we've ever seen something like this i'm just every week it's like Oh my gosh, like I, I just, I'm, I'm blown, you know, blown away. I'll, I'll tell you, related to that, the fact that we announced the book last week and within a day or two, it is the number third bestseller on Amazon for artificial intelligence for the category oh AI. And it's like the number three as well in business management just was a big signal to me that this is a book that people are going to want to read. And not because I wrote it. I mean, yeah, great. P please pre-order it, y'all. But it's more like, sure. it, it's, you know, it's filling a void. It's feeling like people are interested in learning more about this. So it um, means that people yeah. are trying. Yeah, exactly. It means people are looking for it, right? It means mm -hmm. that they're saying, okay, this is something that's changed. 
And I think one of the things that this podcast does do, and I've had a couple of listeners actually say this is like, it does in some ways calm the nerves mm-hmm. of, I think a lot of people feel like they're behind yeah. when they're learning about stuff. There's this, there's almost this FOMO just about knowledge base and there, and people are starting to freak out. Like I have, I didn't learn everything. I, there, there's stuff that's happening that I don't know about. And while maybe that's true, that also needs to kind of like be okay and, and be understood. Like, yeah, just go like, we're all learning this stuff mm-hmm. at the same time. Some of us are a little bit ahead of the curve and we're putting out the materials as fast as we can to get everyone else caught, caught up to speed. And that's kind of why these things exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm just, I'm thrilled that it's already a bestseller. So on Amazon that's amazing. And, and everyone, anyone interesting, definitely interested, please pre-order. You can go to spatialcomputingbook.com. Because, uh, you know, you and I love really good domains. <laughs> yes, yes. Spatialcomputingbook.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, it's That's kind of a, it's its own addiction, isn't it? Like it the, is. the domain hoarding. It really just, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I, I will do this with this domain one day and I never do it. Um, yeah, I have yeah. so many ideas and domains. I actually went through all my domains and cleaned up. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to use this. I do that. Yet. I do that quarterly and go, what was I even thinking? Yeah. Or how do I pronounce that? I don't even remember how to pronounce it. Yeah. I was like, why did I even <laughs> buy this? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I just went through a lot of them. I'm like, do I really want to let go of this one? I'm like, yeah, just let go. <laughs> just so, let go. Yeah. yeah. But spatialdynamics.io, that was very special. That was a good one. That was a, that was a solid find. That was a good one. So, uh, anyway, let's get into the news. Let's talk about everything happening in head-mounted displays or hardware, Apple Vision Pro, um, you know, lots of reviews. I was actually, I was able to talk to Yahoo Finance uh, last week mm. uh, about the device. I used your quote. I said, <laughs> I said, you know, there's $3,500 $3, worth of technology in the device, not necessarily $3,500 worth of a value yet for the consumer. And I think that, you know, that is very, being very honest, like you said, honesty pushes technology forward. And I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I I love, I love it. It's just, we got to be honest about these things because, you know, there's a couple of articles that have popped up of like, Oh, some people are starting to return their Apple vision pro. Well, I don't think it was meant for them and good Mm -hmm. grief. We've been honest about this for months now. We're on what episode 19 or something like that. And I think, for at least 17 of those episodes, once an episode, I say, this is <laughs> this is a dev kit. This is not for the average consumer. So This is version like, one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, so I'm not surprised that some people are returning it. I mean, definitely I, I could see why, you know, maybe it didn't, you know, they didn't find enough content or it made them, unco- like it made them it's, dizzy. I think there's a so shame. many reasons. But it's a shame that there's articles pointing at this. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm specifically thinking of a Verge article, and I typically like oh, Verge yeah. articles. But I, it, it it bothers me when I see this because every headset gets returns. Like it, this is just part of the industry of like people end up buying things and they're like, oh, this is not what I thought, or maybe you know they have a bad experience or, or, or what have you. Um, so. I think for most of the veterans in this industry, we're looking at this of like, this isn't a news article. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I get it. It, it makes clicks. It, 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 it sells ads. You gotta, yeah. you gotta put out content. Well, but you know, for us, it's like, you know, I think it's special dynamics. It's like, we're building, we're creating, we're starting to test this. Like, I didn't feel like we needed to rush and have an app at launch. Right. Like I didn't want it yeah, to, do that. Yeah. I want it to be like, let's take our time. 
let's figure out how to better use this technology, et cetera. So, um, so I think the content will come. It's really early and it, it will get there, right? It will get it's there. It's exactly what happened with the iPhone one and the mm-hmm. same thing happened with the iPad one. Yeah. The content will get there when the version they released that everyone is supposed to buy <laughs> is ready. Yeah. You know, like this is just a very Apple approach to new flagship hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it'll take some time. Um, you know, there's also like rumors about a redesign for Apple uh, for the iPhone 16, the new type of camera that will definitely mm. have a lot more spatial capabilities, like I've been telling people. Um, so I think, you know, come September probably, maybe April they'll say something, but September. That'll that'll we'll probably be my next iPhone upgrade. That'll probably be what mm-hmm. does it, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm still sitting on a 13 Pro Max, but like mm-hmm. when that 16 comes out and it really has the same fidelity and same quality, if not better, for spatial video, mm-hmm. that's that's the upgrade for me. Yeah. So we'll see. And you and I had this conversation. I think you said that the spatial video that you take in headset looks better than the spatial video on phone, right? It Better is such a subjective word. Yes, it looks unobjectively better. <laughs> but... <laughs> but <laughs> That's not to say that the 15s footage doesn't look great. It mm-hmm. does. I think that when it is captured, and I'm and I'm just hypothesizing here, but it seemed to me mm-hmm. when it's captured in the headset, because it's being captured by the device to which it's going to deliver, mm-hmm. it's just more, more native, I guess, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just more. I, I, I but the 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 fact that the iPhone 15 puts out the footage in spatial content like it does, that's really the device, right? Because it was a little weird when we all saw the demo of someone wearing their headset, their Apple Vision Pro, trying to take family photos of their kid's birthday, right? Yeah. Like that was that was something that rightfully got called out in their like demo video. It mm-hmm. looked strange. It looked a little like sci-fi, like weird sci-fi, like mm-hmm. no one wants to be that dad or whatever. Um, but the fact that you can do it on your phone mm-hmm. and then you make the device, the thing that you can view in, wow, they under, they undersold that hardcore. That should have yeah. been like the, the bam um, moment for, for why. Uh, 100%. Cause it just, it just looks, it looks really good. Yeah. Cause like my son's birthday, we shot it on my phone. Like we're going to put the device on. I want to be there. Right. Um, yeah. and I was down, I've been traveling internationally. I was shooting the cover of a women's magazine and which, oh my gosh, it was an amazing experience. Um, but we shot part of the photo shoot in spatial, right? So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really, and we use the phone in that case. We definitely use the phone cause it was just easier to maneuver in, in the space we were in and all that stuff with a phone. Um, well, so it's yeah. easier to maneuver, but the thing that people I think often don't talk enough about, um, is, and this is so splitting hairs. I did think when I was going, when I was AB testing the content that the audio from the iPhone footage sounded better than the audio from the Apple vision pro. Um, the Apple vision pro audio was just a little bit too blown out. I don't know if they were just like too close as a source or what have you, um, or maybe because it has the microphone used for capturing the user's voice. It's not exactly attuned to capturing the surrounding area. But the audio that the iPhone 15 picked up for the spatial video sounded fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it'll be you know it'll be interesting. I think, and once again, like I think you and I agree that this is going to be the, one of the selling points. It's the future of family totally. photos, the future of like how you're going to connect. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really thrilled thrilled about that. So talking about <laughs> spatial video, which is now supported in some ways by MetaQuest Three. 
Um, you know, this is kind of old news by this point, but you know, let's talk a little bit about Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, posting. Oh. <laughs> it was funny. There was an article. It's like Mark Zuckerberg's ent- entering his posting era, um, the yeah. posting era where he's posting to get through it. But um, yeah, like him talking about his review of the Vision Pro. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know before what I did, like, I have a, I have a kind of okay. A- how about you? You start with that before I start sinking <laughs> teeth into this. You okay? can go into yeah. it. You can go into it. Yeah, and I think you, you might agree with him on a few things. I, I agree know. with him on a lot of things. I want uh, your opinion first. Let, My opinion. Ahead. Okay. I, you know, it, to me, it was interesting to see him post about this um, and be so direct about his perspective. Of course, it's it's a you know. You can't be neutral. Like he can't be neutral. Like this doesn't exist. Like there's no such thing as a neutral yeah. review coming from someone that has a device that is competing in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some points that yes, um, you know, that, that were right. Um, I just don't think that the MetaQuest Three has been marketed in the same way as the Vision Pro. They're to me, they're very different devices. They do some mm-hmm. of the same things, but they're marketed in very different ways. And then strategically, yeah. I understand why he's doing this. Because as I understand, I, I don't have any insider knowledge. This is nothing I, you know, I don't know anything other than what I look at, you know, what I read and what I know is coming from, from the things they've said in the in public. But strategically, I think he's doing this because they will be making some announcements later this year about some of the prototypes and things they're working on. They had, um, you know, Andrew Bosworth, what was it, in December, talked to Alex Heath um, uh, from The Verge about uh, a prototype of um, AR glasses or a device, a new device that they're working on. And he said something along the lines of, um, this is the most advanced piece of consumer technology we have ever created as a human species, <laughs> which is a lot. I'm going to say, wow, that's a, that's a big thing to say. Um, so maybe that's why they're saying that why Zuckerberg's doing what he's doing, because they might have some big things coming that might be actual competitors. Yeah, I think strategically, I think he's just Boz specific. I think he's just really excited. I will say this. He had um, one of the latest uh, episodes for the Boz on the future, like his his podcast. He's got a podcast. He had Matthew Ball, our friend Matthew Ball on the podcast. And mm-hmm. there was a really interesting discussion about a lot of different topics. And, you know, Boz kind of gave his review of the Vision Pro, which is a little bit different than Mark's. Um, but But it was interesting. Hearing Mark's review of it and hearing Boz's review of it, I think... Yeah, I think that what they are, what they kind of know what is on their roadmap, and I think that they're going to have some big, big things coming in the next couple of years, in the next months, probably, you know, at some meta connector, who knows? And I think that they're going to bring something that is going to be, you know, maybe rival um, Apple Vision Pro. I'm not sure. So strategically, I think there's some strategy behind it. I don't think this was haphazard or just just done because. So that's my perspective from a strategy perspective. You can take it from the technology side. Like, uh, go ahead. It, like, okay, so it did feel haphazard to me. Um, mm-hmm. It felt like it felt like well, we have to say something. And I've <laughs> been in those like a type of company meetings, right? And in that just never bodes well. Like, there's room for everyone in this sandbox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so much credibility needs to instantly go to Zuckerberg for the investment that he made in Oculus and purchasing Oculus as a company and what he has done over the course of years. And it is undeniably, in my opinion, undeniably true that we would not see an Apple Vision Pro in its current state if it weren't for all of the important and hard, dedicated legwork that we saw Meta put into what has now become the Quest 3. Yeah, They are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you look at 
if you look at your computer history, your computer hardware, right, even like the early Atari console was listed as a video computer system. That's what VCS meant, right? And yet we're talking about what would we would call a video game console. But no, that was the original home introduction to a computer. And then that turned into you know, all of these different consoles to the NES, now to the PlayStation and blah, 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 blah. While we verged off and had PCs come into the home mm-hmm. and we had the the Macintosh computer, we had the Apple II, we had, and we saw Packard Bells and Dells. And then, mm-hmm. you know, now we're back to the latest Apple computers. These are just so different. Yeah, they're both computers, but they're so different things, right? We've got a PlayStation 5, you've got an Apple MacBook Pro. Those are two different things. They're both computers. and And I see the same thing when it comes to what Meta has built. And I will be honest, in its current state, I still prefer the Meta hardware. So before anyone thinks that I'm just jumping on some like mm-hmm. Apple bandwagon, that's never been my history. Yeah, I see the value of what Apple is doing. I understand what that hardware is and why it is necessary. I see what Meta has done, where they've brought the Quest headsets. Mm-hmm. And I'm so enamored. And that is the headset I use the most. That is my daily driver headset. Um, It's undeniably more comfortable. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that it does better that Mark completely glazed over. Mm. That bothered me. Having like the built-in head uh, headset uh, or uh, battery, uh, the fact that it's lighter. Yes, it is running on a a much uh, weaker processor, right? I mean, The Apple Vision Pro headset is stronger than your MacBooks, right? Like it's got an M2 processor with an R1 that's doing all your graphics and heavy lifting. So it is basically, yeah, a, it is a full-fledged computer. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Quest is still running on very powerful Qualcomm chips. Um, they're, it's amazing what they're able to get these things to do. They both have fantastic internal tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, they both got hand recognition. They've both got colored pass-through. And I will be the first to say I... I don't think that Apple's pass-through is so much better than the Quest 3 that it justifies all of the praise it's getting. Really? Okay. I really don't. I really don't. Now, what it does do better is it's smooth. You don't get the weird artifacts while it's trying to calculate 3D space. That's something that will get fixed. You're also comparing a a $3,500 headset Mm to a $500 headset. I get all of that. Where Mark lost me was all of the other stuff that he said that had to do with the experience as mm. he talked about working in the headset and multiple screens. Oh yeah, we do this too. We're, we've worked on that with the quest pro. Listen, the quest pro was not a good headset. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who worked with one, I think knows the first one definitely mean, liked right? the, the quest pro. Oh, the quest pro. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah the yeah, one yeah. that we don't like it. talking about. Yes, yeah, exactly. You did. Cause they <laughs> want you exactly, like, it just, that's exactly what happens with the quest pro. Yeah. My God. Totally yeah. 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 Quest, quest one. Yeah. Fantastic. First yeah. time quest two. Amazing upgrade quest pro. What are you doing? Yeah, quest three yeah. for 500 bucks. It's a steal, but yeah. the quest pro happened. And that was their Apple moment. If there was a moment for all of this, it was that. Mm-hmm. And they, they made some bad decisions. They didn't put the depth sensing camera in it. They left that part of what's now called the trunk in that headset empty. That was a decision that they made. I so actually was don't know of, anyone that has a, a MetaQuest Pro. I well, don't know. I, I've, got a, I've, got, I've got one of each. You, you know, got a Pro? Um, okay. I, I, yeah, oh, yeah, I never I've got bought the Pro. pro. 
You know, um, and I would be the kind of person that would buy a pro, but I didn't buy a pro. It was their first. It was their first headset that had mm-hmm. the pancake lenses. The lenses mm-hmm. are amazing. Uh, some people really like the comfort of it. Uh, I'm a top strap guy. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. It's it's about head shape. Um, but I will say that the Quest Pro is actually more comfortable than the Apple Vision Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this was a headset that came out in twenty. 22, 22, I think. Yeah, it was 22. 21 or 22, something like that. And it was, it was more focused. I remember it was focused on enterprise, I believe. It was focused on enterprise. They wanted to launch workrooms. And this is what gets me is like all of this con- content that he's saying in his video is all true. Then, but why didn't you do it? Mm-hmm. Like that, that was, that was when I got to the end of the video of him talking about all of the multiple screens and the ability to work and all of these things that they've been working on for years. Okay, great. Why didn't you do it? Mm-hmm. Cause there, that was what always got me is like, I was a huge proponent of meta workrooms. Yeah. Workrooms actually could have been streamlined and made perfect a year ago. I don't know what hap- what their internal staffing is and all of that looks like, but they had all of the ingredients. It was just a lack of execution. It's interesting because it's funny that I even forgot about the pro, like, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the medical people forgot about pro. Medicine, they forgot. Right. But yeah, yeah I, I totally forgot about the pro. Like it doesn't register in my brain, um, yep. which is really, yeah. Bizarre. I was like, wait, yeah, the pro. Totally it definitely that. happened. And that was their first color pass through. That was supposed yeah. to be the, their enterprise. I mean, it, it was an, ex- I, it's, it was now it's laughable to say it was expensive. Can you buy it? Um, no, right? no, no. They, they, they only did one. I think they only did one or two runs of it. Um, it was a fifteen. It was a fifteen hundred dollar headset, which was mm-hmm. at the time considered way too expensive. Now we can laugh at that. Now it's like, oh, um, of course I would buy yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it was. It wasn't a bad. It, I said it wasn't a good headset, and it had a lot of flaws. But it wasn't a bad first attempt. It's just a question of then why did it stop, right? And that's that was where I got hung up and was like, this feels like a rushed conversation because. All of the things that he's comparing, app, literally apples to oranges here, um, mm-hmm. isn't incorrect, but it is a it is a pure lack of execution. The hardware is amazing. Well, right? but like, is it really like it is for that device, but I think that they have. I have to believe that they have some tricks up their sleeves. And I, yeah, of course. And even though this might seem haphazard, there's actually I don't see him doing something not strategic. I think everything sure. he does, even though it might not look like it at times, um, is very strategic. And I do like from paying attention to Boz and everything, like they've got something coming. It'll be big. It'll be like game on for real, for real game on. And um, and we'll have to see. I don't know. But I, I the head like the headset wars or whatever we're calling this, <laughs> it's just heating up. Like it's it, like the battle for the eyes. The battle for <laughs> yeah, the battle for face computers is an article I read. <laughs> So it's definitely heating up. Um, I want to move move uh, move away from this a little bit. If you're okay with it, are you good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said my piece. You've said your piece. <laughs> um, I do think they've got something. There's something coming, right? But I think there's a lot of other stuff happening. So there's obviously rumors that Samsung's going to bring something. Sony's going to yep. bring something. The yep. latest one I've heard, and you and I were talking about this, Huawei. Does Huawei. not matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. It matters doesn't from a matter. global perspective, Lee. It matters from a global perspective, and I'll tell you why. So supposedly Huawei is going to have a Huawei Vision or something, some type of competing device. Obviously, potentially, obviously not as powerful as the Vision Pro, but apparently sure. they are going to introduce something to compete with the Vision Pro. Why does it matter? It might. Give me your take first, because then I'll tell you why I don't. Why I think it does matter. 
Because we, we globally have access to all the same parts, right? Um, so while they might come up with something clever and we'll see that adapted into Western hardware, but they're just a blacklisted company from like enter, entering the Western market for the most part. So we're not going to see a Huawei headset in the United States, just like you don't see Huawei phones. Now you're right for, for the Eastern market, it's, it's going to do great because you don't see a lot of Apple devices in that market either. But we don't have a whole lot of listenership on that side over there either. So like, I don't know, like for, I think for the West, we still have this, this barrier between the Western and Eastern markets when it comes to this technology that we kind of are chasing each other on a little bit. HTC is a really good example. Mm. HTC does really well in this market when it comes to uh, the Asia market. And, and rightfully so. They still struggle in the U.S. market ever since they changed mm-hmm. their like methods on like the Vive Pro. And I'm a yeah. huge HTC fan. I'm a huge Vive fan. I think that they have made probably some of the most interesting design choices, mm-hmm. comfort-wise design choices I've seen in hardware. I think they're a really forward-thinking company that we're not giving enough attention to. Um, but it is this... Western market is fo- going to focus on. It's the same reason why the Pico is struggling in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right, the Picos had a hard time getting in just through approvals for like uh, you know little FCC tags that you get printed on them. Like they can't get that stuff in line, so it makes it hard to hit U.S. shelves. So it's doing okay in Europe, but it's not doing well in the U.S. market, yeah. which is a huge boon for. Well, and Pico's owned by TikTok, Apple, now, Samsung, Samsung. Right? not TikTok. Well, yeah, and and yeah. and Byte Dan- Well, and TikTok, which is what like the first social media. I think it's the first mm-hmm. social media app to make it onto Apple Vision Pro. On the Apple Vision Pro, true. <laughs> you know, they they finally got on there, so like they got their foot in the door. But you know, Byte Dance is just this huge, huge company in the Eastern market that most, uh, I think, most U.S. consumers don't even know to look that Mm -hmm. or how big that giant really is. Um, And and they're the ones that I think are doing it clever. They're not Mm -hmm. drawing their lines in the sand and saying, you're going to buy our product. They're saying, we're going to have a product. And if you're not going to buy it, we're still going to put our content on your product. Um, And they're going to, they're going to kind of seep through the cracks and and that's not a bad strategy for a lot of that. Um, But I just don't see Huawei's got such a hard, line in the sand from the hardware market to make it into the Western market. I don't, I don't see it having that impact. Well, it's interesting because, and you know, I'm always traveling internationally, but when you go to like somewhere like Latin America, Huawei is everywhere. It's Huawei cloud. Most, not most people, a lot of people have a Huawei phone. So I could see that potentially being one of the, you know, when you go to like, like emerging markets, like Africa, parts of Africa, right. And you go to Latin America. Yeah. 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 You know, the East, like there is a market. People do use Huawei products heavily and do use Huawei cloud. So I think that there could be something there where there is true competition at some level, maybe from a, everyone's going to want, everyone's going to want the Ferrari, right? Like the people who can afford the Ferrari will buy the Ferrari. So same thing with the devices who can afford the Vision Pro or whatever the ultimate device is. They're going to buy the ultimate device it is, right? But there are going to be different people that use maybe other devices. So I think that that's where Huawei comes to play in some of these emerging markets with some of the other devices. So, um, so yeah, like I think that there is com- they come, maybe not they a come to those, high level. But can they come to those markets with half of a storefront, right? Because that's now, mm. you know what I mean? Like Huawei has yeah. got to convince a lot of popular apps to go through the legwork. And it is not. Like, like the mobile app game is a little bit of conversion, but once you're starting to convert like to new hardware that is like 
stereoscopic vision with like motion controls and like customized controllers. If I'm, if I'm sitting there and I've got a popular, you know, social VR game, I'm going to look at the Huawei market and make a decision of, do I really want to put in the financial uh, necessities and and even effort to make that conversion? You gotta, you gotta see the numbers first. Mm -hmm. So can they sell that new hardware in a half baked store Maybe. i mean apple is apple's selling hardware in a half-baked store let's just call it what it is they're but they're apple so they're apple. You know, i don't know well, they are as i understand they are going to launch the vision pro internationally it's just going to roll out at some point in europe they have to some yeah point in Asia, sure. right it's not going to be u.s based right so yeah of course I, I do see this to me is the fact that there is that rumor that huawei is going to bring something is part of this you know i could see it i'm just more excited for samsung mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 I, you know, so I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put. I'm going to put the Huawei thing on a, a fad for the for the uh, <laughs> eastern or for the western side and in future for the eastern side because that's where the that's how the wall's drawn. I, it's just the way it is. <laughs> um, you know, I'm still I'm still really you know I, I I'm going to keep my eye on what on what like Huawei might be doing. Um, I'm keeping my eye on TikTok on the Apple Vision Pro. I thought that was a great move by by tiktok i'm not like the biggest fan i'm not like not a super user at all but i was like you go um smart move and eventually they're going to support any type of like spatial video or spatial content i mean i think they're getting ahead of the curve there so some smart thinking there yeah. from the vision you know from the tiktok folks and um, but that goes back to like, yeah. like that goes back to what we were saying with like mark's statement of well what is we don't see a whole lot of push for like creating content with the meta headsets because they're delivering content. Yeah. I think that's the difference. Like Apple said, this thing's going to make content. Mm -hmm. That, that is honestly something in my, you know, decade of, of working in this, mm -hmm. I actually didn't think much about. Um, it, it's, it's quite an interesting concept to say, for, and it's a very Apple thing to say, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, this is going to deliver content, but if it delivers content, it needs to be able to make content. Make and that's content. where it becomes a powerhouse. Because what does TikTok look like on on a Meta headset, right? What is it? Oof. You got to I mean, I'm I'm I yeah, I don't dance on TikTok, I'll be honest, but the first <laughs> time I wanted to dance on TikTok has been the new Beyoncé country songs. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like obsessed. Um and I was telling my daughter today, I was like, "Can you film me? I might put this up on TikTok." I was like, yeah, because I love, I, yeah. Anyway, I don't love all country music, but I absolutely love her new, uh, her new music. I'm like all for. Well, that's okay. I don't know if I'd call it country music. So, well, people are calling the country stations. I mean, can you play Beyonce, right? And some, yeah, like, which is that's a that's a step. Oh, that's a that's a that's a good step. Don't don't get me wrong. It's a good step. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good step. Anyway, I, Texas Hold'em has me like I'm playing it on loop. Like I, I'm obsessed. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll dance in spatial video. <laughs> My kids are gonna be so embarrassed if I do that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's why you do it. That's yeah. why you that's have why to do, you it. do it. That's yeah. That's why I always joke. I'm like, keep doing this. Keep misbehaving. I'm going to dance on TikTok and follow all your friends. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, you know, I definitely keeping my eye on Meta. Like, I think they have big vision, big things coming. Um, I, we are going to include a link to that episode uh, of Boz's, um, you know, um, podcast with Matthew Ball, which is really fun good, to listen. Good, good. I mean, I, I respect Matthew. I think he's fantastic. He's got a new version of his yeah. book coming as well. Um, I think we're all kind of diving deep into spatial and kind of the evolution of spatial web. So very thrilled to see kind of what's coming. So anyway, um, let's go to a break. 
And then when we get back, we'll talk about AI. Obviously, tons of news happening there. A little bit of uh, gaming and future of amusement parks and entertainment and dispatch from the French. So let's go on break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, so we're back from the break, and now we have to dive deep into AI. There's so, so many news. Um, I don't know where to start. Should we start with the obvious, which is Sora, or should we do Reddit? Um, uh, start, you know what? Start, let's 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 start with Reddit because okay. I got too much to say about the Sora thing. All so right, all right. Let's, let's start Reddit with Reddit. Maybe you can give people the four one one on like the cliff notes on what we're talking about. Yeah. So the cliff notes. Um, Reddit has struck a deal uh, to utilize its user content to power AI systems. Um, this was about, and it's a yearly uh, deal for them. The estimates are about 60 million in revenue per year to leverage uh, its content from its users to basically help generate AI libraries. Um, this comes on basically what is the eve of them hoping to have an IPO, uh, probably mm-hmm. in its assumption to kind of bolster their value so their IPO does better at launch. The user base, if anyone knows anything about the user base, um, the Reddit user base really values its anonymity um, and it's not thrilled. Uh, it's not quite to the pitchforks and and torches that I think some people thought it would be. Uh, I think some people like myself kind of assumed it was already being utilized to power (laughs) AI libraries. Uh, So that really was more of a, oh, they're being honest and open about this. That's interesting. Um, But it is a, it is an interesting play and one that I think is something we're going to see more often. Mm -hmm. As we started seeing things like we brought about by the New York Times lawsuit for OpenAI of leveraging their user or their their content to help power power their engine. Um, The back of my head is, well, this makes a lot of sense because you can 
basically clear this up in a EULA, uh, in in Mm -hmm. user licensing agreement. Uh, And there's not a better source of just tons of random information not all of it good. Not all of it good. Not all of it. Not, not all, all of it accurate. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> um, but if you just wanted to understand a large language model, mm-hmm. Reddit would have it. Right? It's just people talking all the all the all the all the time, <laughs> and in different languages and in different dialects and in different personalities and in weird spellings and and so I think that there's it, it is a move that makes sense. Um, what their users are going to think of it in the long run. I think they'll shrug it off. I think this is the future. I think we're just going to, just like we've seen social media companies leveraging our data to provide targeted ads. How, why would we think they wouldn't leverage our data to provide targeted artificial intelligence? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, I started to think about, you know, it's just not just Reddit, but Quora. Remember that one where you ask questions? Quora, I mean, leverage for large language models makes total sense even from a long-term strategic point, like leveraging, uh, like whatever Elon decides to do with X and we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, uh, oh, but Lord. maybe leveraging that for training, you know, X.AI or whatever for his LLMs. Like there's so much content there, right. That would fall under that idea and that concept, right. Um, to be able to train um, these models. So that AI would be so mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there was one I'm I worried don't go about. I not much anymore. I'm going to be honest. I don't go to X much anymore. Like every once in a while. I, you know, when I go, when I want to find out what's going on in the AI world, because I feel like that's where a lot of conversation still happens. Really? To, hmm. Yes. Like Sam Altman, like, you know, all the requests he was taking for the, what we're going to talk yeah. about now all happen on X. So I, th- I still think there's a really vibrant AI community um, on, on X. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I don't active per, actively participate as much in X, but I will look at some of the posts and things that sure. are happening there. So no, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. So do you want to move on to OpenAI? Yeah, yeah, that's about all I had to like really think yeah. about that. It's 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 a new article like that. The the stuff with Reddit is will, will unfold over mm-hmm. time. It's just I think we're going to see more companies do this. It 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 makes it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. When you make content, you're powering someone else's engine, and that's just the way it's always been. Uh, I remember, yeah, back in the day. I think. Do you remember Goog four one one? No. What is that? Oh wow. Okay, so I don't remember. Like it sounds like, but I don't. I can't. We're gonna hop in the time machine, and we're gonna go back to the year two thousand and seven. Okay. Hmm. Um, <laughs> my wife is over here gesturing, saying even further back. <laughs> even further back. <laughs> so, so hop in the DeLorean with me. Let's go back in time. Uh, Google had a call in. You remember four one one, right? Back yeah. in the day, yeah, like it was just a telephone service, yeah. right? For for anyone under the age of thirty, um, so four one one was a phone number you would dial, and you would get a person, an actual mm-hmm. live person, and they would connect you to a business or whatever it is. This was basically before we had the internet; you couldn't Google it. So if you wanted to find out how to get a hold of the the In and Out Burger or the Shoney's or wherever you're geographically <laughs> yeah. located, that's who you would call. Um, so Google released in the early 2000s, Goog 411. And if you dialed on the QWERTY keypads of telephones, oh, a lot of yeah. people don't remember those either. G O O G 411. Uh, you would get an automated, you'd hear like this bleeping sound yep. and you get this automated sound and it would say, you've reached Goog 411. What services are you looking for? And you could talk to it and tell you, tell it what company you were trying to get a hold of. And it mm. would tell you over the phone, 
its hours of operation and ask if you wanted to be connected to it. It was a completely free service. 411 used to cost money. This yeah. was a free service. I used Goog 411 all the time <laughs> when I was in college. Um, and every time you did it, you actually heard your voice for a couple of seconds being processed. And it just almost sounded like your voice was being played backwards digitally. That, that moment, what Google was doing right there mm. was it was it was harvesting voice data. Yep. And when its smartphone came out, that's why the smartphone, that's why Hey Google was so much better hey than Google. Siri when it launched. That's a, so such this, a point. Oh my this God. idea of harvesting user data is not new. You kind of have to do it, it to yeah. build. No, you have to do it to build engines. It's not even like it's a negative impact. I don't mind at all that they were leveraging my voice samples to make Hey Google better when mm -hmm. their phone launched. It, it worked great. It meant that out of the box, the phone understood my voice. I didn't have to train it, you know? So that's not new. Anyways, that's my soapbox. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the future. We're, we're back in 2020. It's funny because I still use 411. Give me the 411. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> now that I think about it, most people don't understand. Like the younger generation. No. Like, my kids know because they by this point, like I say that all the time. So they're like, oh, okay, mom. Um, but they're like, why 411? But yeah, it's a good point. What, what happened <laughs> on April 11th? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Mommy, what happened on April 11th? So um, OpenAI, lots of news. Uh, they've completed a deal that is valuing the company at eight, $80 billion. $80 billion. That's crazy. That's a big number. <laughs> a big number. How long have they been around? It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great, great. But, um, but yay, congratulations to Sam and, and everyone there, I guess. Um, they also, they haven't released it though, but they released the announcement <laughs> Um, in a technical paper, not a, not a full on, um, it was actually, I don't even know if I call it a technical paper. I don't even know what to call it. Um, a blog post or, or something detailing a little bit more, but they have released Sora, which is. Yeah, it was an announcement, announcement paper. Yeah, technical it was an paper, announcement actually. paper. There you go. It's an announcement paper uh, called Sora, which is their text to video um, model that has been all over everywhere. I mean, all over social, all over the news, like just. I'm so sick of seeing it. Um, me too. I'm kind of a little bored at this point. I'm like, I've seen that video a million times. Um, yeah. So it's it's been overwhelming. Uh, I mean, I was very, very shocked when I saw it at first. Um, what are your thoughts around that? Because I have certain certain things, things that I'm thinking through and things uh, I think you, need you to You happen. go first because I got, I got some weird things to say. You got so some weird you, things. So one thing is yeah. I hope for the sake of especially the United States, that this tool does not get released to the public till after the election. That's my hope. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're going to yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just got the deal and they got val valued at 80 billion. So I hope that they'll wait. Um, my hope is that. My, that's a big hope. I don't know if it's going to happen, right? I don't know when they're going to release this. I mean, it's only available to some, um, some- You know what? I say do it. I say do it. Do it. Just rip the Band-Aid off. No. Here, no, Lee. I, oh, my it's, God. It, yeah. I don't think – and here's why. Because I'm not going to get – I'm not going to bring any of my politics into okay. this. I don't think there are undecided voters this election. I think okay. it's already – like people already have their, their candidate figured out. So if there were an election to see how bad it got, I guess this would be it. I don't want to see that. <laughs> no. So I hope – my personal, my personal hope is they wait. Right. Um, right now, it's only a few folks that have access to it. Um, and then a few influencers, I guess, that have access to it that are doing some videos. Obviously, what they showcased was a whole bunch of videos, some of the best ones. But then Sam Altman was taking requests like Mr. Beast, for example. <laughs> Mr. Beast, of course, did him like, don't, you know, don't Always. make me homeless, Sam. 
and then he took a request and he got this video. So, um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think MKHB got a hold of it early too, like, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Like those are <laughs> yeah. the influencers and those, those are the people who have like actually background in like video editing and can, and can bring I don't know if he did. I know he did a whole video review, but I don't know if he's played with it to be honest. Cause he didn't, he, he I, talked I about it, but I haven't seen anything. Such- yeah, what a missed knows, opportunity if like that's the first person I'd have given it to, right? Yeah. Um just he um, does so much of his own video editing, it would make sense. Yeah. And he he was talking about like, hmm, should I be concerned? He, it hit it, it hit it hit home for him, right? Because he's a video content. Oh yeah. Video, so. It's um, gonna hit home for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of feelings about it when it comes to the marketing industry and the creative services industry, and we can get into that. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. Uh, the point I want to make right now is that. I, I, um, I read a lot of Gary Marcus. So Gary Marcus has a great, um, AI newsletter called Marcus on AI. And I highly recommend they have a, he has a free version and a paid version. Paid version is totally worth it. And he's been talking a lot about, um, how a lot of us are seeing these videos with Sora. And we think because of what the technical papers, I mean, the announcement paper says that it actually understands physics and his whole premise is that it doesn't really. Right, that the the, the wouldn't words, surprise me. Yeah, so if you dig deeper into what he's talking about, because I've been talking a lot about large vision models, models that uh, are world builders, models that mm-hmm. have perspective and perception that allows them to navigate the physical world. That's where I think spatial computing starts to get really interesting, and you start to create these large vision models. His perspective is completely different. He says this actually, this is this is actually with frames. This is not really looking at. Um, at the physics of the space, because it doesn't, you know, you're training it on video. You're training on video from the past. Like it's not real life video. It's not real time, right? right? That's why I think a device like the Vision Pro or any device that has real time data and it is scanning the world physically on a constant basis is going to be the key to unlock large vision models, right? So that's That's why I, I think it's incredibly important to truly understand that the impact of this as a world building tool truly happens when you unlock large vision models coming from computer vision and these devices that are scanning the world. So there's, some I, really do, I do think, I think you could, I think you could potentially bridge that gap. And maybe this is really where you're both right. Um, because it still has access to all of the documentation of human history of physics, right? Mm -hmm. So it it has those understanding, like the math of it all kind of sitting in on a shelf. And if it's got to then compile something into a a video, which is just a series of stills um, and, and create something that where it has to understand the physics of what's actually happening in that Mm -hmm. video, it has the, it has everything it would need as a recipe to make the right logical assumptions. It could only get more powerful as we start putting spatial content mm-hmm. into it um, and get more accurate. But I think it's got enough data sitting in there, I would hope, to at least leverage it to make some logical assumptions of like gravity and how light refracts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think his point is more about these models and how they're being presented as world builders and how they still don't have context. They don't have perception and perspective yet. Um, yeah. So thinking that they are the- world builders, how it was presented, is a, is a bit of a fallacy, right? Um, you know, maybe, may, I mean, maybe I would love to have Gary on our podcast. I would be like. Yeah, I would love to talk with him too, because I would love to talk with anyone who's willing to have a negative conversation, not a negative, negative is the wrong word, have a more honest conversation and not just like this big bolstering of like open AI is the best company in the world. And not that there's anything wrong with them. 
but just like, let's have a real conversation and, and, and split the hairs um, mm-hmm. and, and, and see where, where we, where we wind up. Um, my take on all of it is I honestly think Sora is a massive smokescreen. Um, it, it, this is just the thing. No one seems to want to talk about this week because they've got all this pretty content of like puppies playing in snow and, and funny uh, Disney looking monster animations playing with a candle. And it all looks amazing. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it looks beautiful. Like some of it, it not looks all. beautiful. It looks beautiful. But in the back end of it, what no one's talking about is for whatever reason, open AI the last week has just fallen asleep at the wheel. Mm. Um, they had uh, an update pushed, and I think it was in response of making sure that their terms of service didn't take copywritten material to the blah, 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 uh, pushed into their system. And it has rendered it absolutely useless to me. Um, what I, I used that's to. so interesting. When you I have never. I have never fought with with a chat GPT as much as I have this week. Mm. Everything I put into it, it keeps saying, oh, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or I cannot retrieve that. Stuff that I put into it, that's my of, of my own writing mm-hmm. directly into the system. And I will say, store this, name this. I'm going to come back to it later. I wrote, so as a lot of people yeah. uh, we've talked about before, like, I'm an author. I'm working on a book right now and I've got a couple of other books in in the pipeline. And so one of the things that I do, I try not to leverage AI to write anything Um, like that. I, that's just not Mm -hmm. my, especially as a, as a novelist who's in the fiction side of it. Um, Like I don't want it to write anything. Uh, That's my own work, but I don't mind utilizing it to grammar check. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I used to really like doing is I would take a chapter and I would dump it into it and I would name that chapter and tell it to remember it. And then ask it to read it back to me. So I, cause it has a fantastic voice, like yeah. speech recognition, like text direct speech, text to speech is incredible on this thing. Um, and that would help me hear where like I might've had typos or it doesn't flow mm-hmm. properly or whatever. And now it can't do it. My own writing. Wow. It, it refuses. Did you cancel? Like, did you, what are you? I'm, you I'm my fingers do? on the, my fingers on the button. I got the month to kind of like figure out what I wanted. Cause it's a $20 a month membership, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I could get another streaming service for, <laughs> I could get two <laughs> streaming services for that yeah. and get five shows I wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a good place for our money. Um, but yeah, it, it, my fingers on the button. I'm really considering it at the end of this week until it, until the dust settles because I can't use it for a lot of the stuff that I was utilizing it for mm-hmm. even to the effect of like creating images through the dolly system i would i would be descriptive and say i want you to create this 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 and if that description even remotely sounded like something that existed like was a character or a person even if it wasn't it would tell me it wouldn't do it mm-hmm. i'm sorry that's against my and it won't tell you why it won't tell you what part of it i have heard i'm sorry i can't complete this question it's it's it goes against our terms of service and i'm like this is stuff that i'm writing this is my own like this is your own content, right? You own that. This is my own content. This is not me asking you to like read the first chapter of Kathy Hackle's latest mm-hmm. book, right? Like that's not what I'm trying to do. But as I'm working on stuff, it's it is boldfaced broke, um, and it happened this week. And a lot of other people who were heavier yeah. users, and this is the key. A lot of people want to talk about OpenAI, but they're not heavy users of ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. There's there's a difference. If you're a heavy user. You already know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's cool. 
this is what's happening. But it seems way too suspicious that they have flooded the social media market with all of their Sora stuff on the same week that they push this update on ChatGPT. And like right now, it just does not work. That's so interesting because Jenny Nicholson was saying the same thing, right? I, I tagged her on your post and she's been having issues with it as well in the same, you know, she's a, a super user just like you. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it is it has gotten combative. <laughs> like it will not answer <laughs> questions. <laughs> That's so crazy. So you think Sora's is smoking screens? Well, I think that there's technology behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I always question when I see content because anyone who has used ChatGPT4 and tried to describe a scene and gotten an image back, you know how broken that image, some, like the, yeah. the amount of specificity that you have to get to. Uh, we talked about this a couple of episodes. You cannot uh, go, you cannot ask ChatGPT to draw an image of a nerd without glasses. It won't do it. It won't do it. Yeah. It won't do it. Right. Like that's the thing that I keep going back to. And there's a lot of examples of those little like things where it can't do this one thing. Now the trick is, is say, describe a nerd without glasses and it will do that. And then say, cool, make an image based off of your description. And then you'll get a picture of a nerd without glasses. But on some level you're fighting with the machine. It, it, and you you still are fighting with those machines. So when I see this really amazing content coming from Sora, the back of my head is how much fighting did it take for it to output that three second video loop? Um, and this is when everyone's like, we're all losing our jobs. You're not losing your jobs yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got a couple of iterations before everyone really needs to, to worry about that. So, you know, start training yeah. for the next thing. I think from uh, a yeah. marketing creative services industry, I think a lot of people are alarmed at the quality, sure. right? Even if you're a drone pilot, <laughs> right? And you're doing drone footage. Hmm, yeah. That could be yeah, concerning. Yeah. But granted. Copy- copywriters yeah. are in trouble, right? Like people yeah. who do copywriting for, for marketing, it's, it's problematic. Although I have noticed, unless you're very specific in how you train your voice, mm-hmm. all of the copywriting sounds the same, right? Like it does have this default copywriter this voice. Default copywriting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, from the creative perspective, like I do think, you know, if, if I am, if I'm a company and I'm paying for really expensive videos and I might be able to leverage this tool in some ways, potentially I'm going to be leveraging this tool as a corporate. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, like, look at the, if you look at like, we've got some of the best marketing agencies, especially content creating agencies in in Portland, Oregon, right? And you look at like Nike ads, like they've got some of the best out there. If everyone, if anyone has ever seen a travel Oregon ad, um, same, same agency, you know, content producer, the travel Oregon ads are a work of art. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't go away. I really don't believe so. This goes back to- I don't think the Ferrari goes away. The like art doesn't Ferrari go of away. Content, I think there's always going to be a Ferrari of content that people are going to aspire to, right? And that's and because it's Kia. art. I think the Kia of content. Gets yes. Control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's always been, I mean, yeah, if you want to go to, uh, you know, the, the late night infomercial side of marketing, then yeah, that's been a thing. Um, you know, there's, there's no, a no market for it. Kia, by the way. <laughs> no, no. No offense to Kia, but, but it's very different than Ferrari. So. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, I don't know. AI doesn't make art. It doesn't. It makes content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so content creators, yeah, there's something to be worried about. But if you find art in your content, no, it's still going to have a voice. It's, gonna, it's still going to be unique. And I'm not 
it's about leveraging what AI can do to make that art even better, but I just don't see it as, as a replacement. I think, I think my advice to anyone that is launching something is because of the things I'm seeing is to remain lean, but have a highly capable team, a team that knows how to use different technologies that can pivot, that is eager to learn and try new things, but stay lean. That, that would be what I would advise anyone right now. And and lean into and speaking of lean, lean into the technology. Don't yeah. don't yeah, yeah, yeah. just swear it off and say no. This is this is the competition. Like no, you have to learn how to leverage this to better. You know, it's, it's like my writing. I don't use it to write content, but I will use it so I have a better option to review that content yeah. so it can be better. Um, and and I think that that's a perfect practical use for writers and for content creators and for artists. Um, to lean into this technology, you know, it's, it's like going back in time and newspapers not adapting to the internet, you know, the ones that didn't go online don't exist anymore. Yeah. 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 But to say that news outlets don't exist would be ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm definitely going to try to get Gary on the podcast. I think it'd be very useful to have him and we could both do that interview because he's, he's fascinating. It's interesting to hear a very different perspective on AI. Um, from his perspective. So um, I do want to move into our last segment because we need to start wrapping this up. Um, But let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we're seeing in the future of um, entertainment, the future of amusement parks. Uh, There are news that Dungeons and Dragons is going to open an interactive theater show uh, in New York. Not rumors, it actually is going to happen. So for any of you you Dungeons and Dragons fans out there, um, this is going to be really exciting, super fun and interactive. Uh, so that's, that's really interesting. Like, would you do something like that? Would you, would that be fun? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. I mean, I My grew up in Florida, so we were like, mm-hmm. we were right next to Universal Studios. We're right next to Disney World. I, we, we always did a lot of that live entertainment. And I mm-hmm. think, I think, I think the world is excited for it because there were, we had just such a recent threat that it could all go away. Right. 2020, mm-hmm. we didn't think we'd be able to do any of this stuff again. No one knew. So yeah. Now we can do it and it can be interactive and the audience participation. Yeah, of course mm-hmm. I do. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. I love immersive theater. It's one of the things I seek out anywhere I go. There's immersive theater. I mean, from the t- the first time I did sleep no more in New York to like, you know, anything, anything immersive theater. I absolutely love, um, you know, and sometimes I'll be a part of it. Like sometimes, cause you know, you go, you can, you can partake. Sometimes you can just be more of a watcher, uh, yeah, a worker. Yeah. So I, I like taking different perspectives when, when, when that happens. Uh, when it comes to future of amusement parks, I thought this was interesting. Uh, there's obviously news that the you know Disney's of the worlds and the Universals of the world are looking at regional parks. Like there's going to be a new one in Dallas. Like there's different regional parks that are going to start to to open, right? Um, but there, there was news also of a group of former Disney employees, Imagineers, that are coming together to build a two billion dollar amusement park called called American Heartland. In, guess where? The American Heartland in Oklahoma. So I thought that was a really interesting choice. Um, I think that makes sense. Um, you've got a lot of of the central area of the United States. Um, they, If you think Disney, you think Anaheim, California for Disneyland, or you think Orlando, Florida for, uh, um, for Disney World. And the same goes for Universal. Like as soon as you think big theme park, you immediately default to California or Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is such an unobtainable location for so much of 
the central part of the United States. Like that is such a hard place to get to either one. Yeah. Um, and, and so having some of these smaller, I mean, this is kind of what Slicks, Six Flags was originally supposed to do, right? Yeah. Like it was kind of scattered throughout, like everyone kind of had access to a Six Flags somewhere, which is, is mm-hmm. a smart move. Not as big as a Disney World, not mm-hmm. as immersive as a Universal, but fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I think it totally makes sense. Oklahoma, 100%. Good choice. 100% makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> middle, American Heartland, right in the middle of the American Heartland and you know, I wonder if people that go to Dollywood are going to want to go to American Heartland and not go to Dollywood because Dollywood's. Well, that's a good question. As American as um, it, it, like it's it's a fun place actually. Like I, I don't know. Like I don't well, know. A lot of people, I went there once and I had a good time. A lot of people <laughs> no don't Dolly know Park. that. Do- <laughs> a lot of people like forget that Dollywood wasn't always Dollywood. So Dollywood used to be something called Silver Dollar City. Really? Silver Dollar. I yes. did not know that. It's always been Dollywood in my book. So no, no, it was Silver Dollar City up until oh, when did it open? It opened sometime in the eighties, I think. I'd have to wow. go back and look. I'm not Wikipedia, like but somewhere walking, around there. Wa- walking history, like, like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was Silver Dollar City. I I was too young to have ever gone. Um, it was before mm-hmm. my time, and she she bought Silver Dollar City and turned it into Dollywood. Uh, and originally it didn't, it wasn't really supposed to be full of, of, uh, rides or anything like that. It was really supposed to be about the music and the entertainment and the history of Dolly Parton, which was in Mm -hmm. and of itself, you know, really interesting. And then it turned into Dollywood and Dollywood's the biggest reason why I think Mm -hmm. Pigeon Forge and, and, and and parts of like Cherokee, North Carolina still thrive to, to this day with their Mm -hmm. tourism. Um, Dollywood is its own attraction. It's gonna, it, I don't think that this necessarily harms, competes or deters. Um, I think it'll be a completely different experience. And I do think Oklahoma is a smart move because you're not dealing with harsh winters and things like that. You know, well, that was always well. part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in Florida's got hurricanes, Florida's got hurricanes, California's yeah. got earthquakes. We all have our all... natural disasters. I get it. <laughs> we all um, have our skeletons. <laughs> well, yeah. What is your perspective on the future of amusement parks and spatial computing? Like I'd love to hear one or two thoughts before we go into this batch. I think it's I think it's been happening for a decade now. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know it. Um, this is back to spatial computing has to go to work first. Disney has been, I mean, all of Disney World is covered in cameras. They know exactly where everyone is. Everything is, uh, you know, considered and and accounted for. And all of that is part and partial to spatial computing. Um, Maybe on a a more rudimentary level than people want to admit. uh, But it still kind of falls into it as the computer is looking at its spaces and calculating what needs to happen. And then it sends a message and someone goes and takes care of it. Great. Or it auto takes care of it, depending on what you're doing. Uh, a lot of rides have been working on this. Uh, yeah. One of the interesting things that we're going to see is it'll probably be the slowest to see new technology because it's hard to adapt a lot of this tech in a meaningful way to the ride itself. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Mario Brothers, uh, the Mario Kart ride in Universal here in California is is probably the best example. Like this, which is uses the Mira of- headset, which was acquired by Apple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. It kind of has this AR approach to it, but it is, it's necessarily rudimentary because you have a, have, it has to fit a bunch of different people. They have to be able to get in and out of it really quickly. They don't have time to learn how to use it. Right. Like, so it's, it, it has to be simplified. Um, and so if you are used to this technology, it may seem archaic. If you've never seen it, it may seem magical, 
But as long as it's Mario and Mario Kart, it's going to be fun. And at the end yeah. of the day, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I still love going to Disney World and seeing the animatronics. And that stuff's oh, yeah. been there for like 50 years. So, you know. Is the it, Carousel of Progress still there? It's not there anymore, right? Yes. I, if it's they took there, it out, I'm going to cry. I don't think it's there. I, is it there? I would be shocked. That was, I think I'll look. It. I don't know. But I have great video and great memories of it. And like the last time I, I went, it. I got tons of video of the VR part and with um, grandma in the VR headset. Grandma in the yeah. VR headset. <laughs> now I did. I got stuck on that ride on that scene one one time when I was there, and it just refused to move, and I was stuck oh, wow. on that scene on loop for forty five minutes. So <laughs> I have a little bit of trauma with Grandma playing that VR battle game. I've seen it way too much. Way, way too, too good times. at that. <laughs> That's crazy. But you, the first time I saw, like, they, I always tell people, the first time I saw an augmented reality. Uh, other than like a viewfinder, if you could you could say that was at um, I was eight years old, uh, the haunted mansion. You know when you're coming yeah out, yeah totally. you have the ghost next to you and you're just like in shock. Um, yeah. You know? So I think that there's been a doing lot of that. this technology that's introduced to us in a lot of these the, uh, you know amusement parks. The first time I ever saw VR was at Universal. No, no, it was at Epcot, um, and it was I want to say it was about 1993. And they had made a VR experience for um, Aladdin where you could ride the magic carpet ride. And uh, they would—they were basically demoing. It was like a live show and they pulled one person out of the audience to get on the magic carpet and wear the VR headset. And then you watched it on a screen because it was just such a new, you know, cutting edge technology. And I was absolutely as like an eight or nine year old continually crushed that I never, I went and watched this over and over again, trying to get selected. I didn't understand at the time my head was too small to wear the headset because the headset itself was like 25 pounds. But yeah, that was, that was my first introduction to VR in general. Amazing. So I do want to go to dispatch from the fringe with Lily. We are going to be hearing about mind control robots, (laughs) mind control robots. Uh, Maybe they can, you know, do my, do my dishes as well, hopefully. Uh, So Lily, take it away. Hello, Kathy and Lee. Welcome to this week's Dispatch from the Fringe. This week, I'm bringing you a story out of a university from Singapore. Nyang Technological University has discovered a way to make our Jedi dreams come to life. Okay, not really. But if you ever wanted to control your device or robotics in your home with a swipe of the hand then this might be interesting to you. In Nyang Technological University, they have discovered a way to create ultra-thin and stretchable electronics. These electronics, called soft electronics, are materials like hydrogels and biocompatible plastics. They're not hard or like silicone. One device they have is called BIND. It's a Lego-like universal connector. It's soft. It can join electronic components by pressing them together. These electronics can detect bioelectric signals from the skin, muscles, and organs, and transmit these signals to control robots or other electronic devices. Where this comes in handy is for people with Uh, impairments and other types of disabilities that can let them control wheelchairs or prosthetics or even have less invasive pacemakers in the heart. These types of soft electronics can do other cool things like crop monitoring by being implanted directly in plants and they come with many types of sensors 
such as wireless connectivity, accelerometers, temperature sensing, and monitoring vitals. So while we use a lot of these types of sensors in our smartwatches and some of our other wearables, soft electronics may be what comes next. So watch out, watch. Soft electronics are coming for you. And that is this week's Dispatch from the Fringe. All right. So yeah. <laughs> Mind control robots that are, uh, let me read this, thinner than hair stretchable tech to mind control robots. Crazy. Yeah, Crazy that's that's too close. No. No. no I like I to be wanted, able to I see my robots coming. Yeah, I just wanted to do the dishes. Like, really. <laughs> clean up and then clean the environment. I agree. It's like we started off, you know, cleaning the environment with robots. Um, but definitely wanted to do the dishes. I mean, I already have a dishwasher, right, that does the dishes. But sometimes there's just too many dishes. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Lee, thanks for joining me again. Always a pleasure. Happy. Awesome. Um, before we wrap, I do want to share something super funny. I'm in the car with my three kids and I'm talking to my, uh, all my kids about gaming. We're talking about different games. Some of the games they are playing, some of the things that I've played, um, some of the things we play together. And then my oldest 13 year old daughter goes like, oh, you guys are boring me. It's always gaming, 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 game, this game, that game. I was like, oh. so all of us, like my, my son, my youngest daughter and myself were just in shock because she's like 13 and she's starting to not be into games. So I'm like, oh, no. oh, no, shocked. We were like, you know, gamer family. Um, but yeah, I want to share that. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be back to, you know, <laughs> I don't know, gaming, loving gaming. Anyway, uh, you not. never get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in for Tech Magic. Come for the tech. Stay for the magic. Uh, let us know any topics you want us to cover, any stories that you find interesting. We always love to hear from y'all. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week. So see you next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 